Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition, and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Okay. Um, incredibly, it is uh, somehow about to be uh, football season again. Uh, it's already football season, according to Vanderbilt and Nebraska. But maybe they <laughs> hope it. They wish they could take it back. Uh, who did Who did Vanderbilt lose to? Um, they lost to a basketball school, and by that I mean Northwestern. No, <laughs> Nebraska lost to Northwestern. Who did Vanderbilt lose to? Vanderbilt did not lose. They went on vacation early to uh kevin's uh kevin's home away from oh home, that's right they hawaii, went to hawaii and won by 49 points oh shit and they played actual nice. hawaii not like a high school in hawaii well we're turning <laughs> we're clearly turning things upside down uh you know upending the the models shifting the paradigms uh so i i, I guess i guess we we're, we're saying that vandy is pulling a live golf i i think so they went to uh really fancy locales and i mean i didn't i didn't watch it because i don't know what channel was on it was on a weird time i'm sure but you know they're over there doing the unexpected and i don't know if somebody liked it and i'm sure vandy fans went there um here's how i know you don't gamble you did not know what channel vanderbilt hawaii on presumably in the middle of the night was was airing on yeah uh, i'm sure starting on but yeah i i think that you know the world getting turned upside down with with smart schools winning at football it's uh, you know there's enough weird stuff going on with with college football as it is but um interesting you mentioned live golf because i think we've we've hit a a the the tipping point of craziness with the um, knock down, drag out, legal business battle of live versus PGA Tour. Now, uh, because there's kind of only one of us on this podcast that gives a shit about golf, can you explain to us what that crazy turning point is? <laughs> well, <clears throat> so uh, live golf which is which is backed by it, it's it's backed by the wealth of the kingdom of saudi arabia so um i'm sure just by saying that this podcast will never be played there um so they have endless amounts of oil money that they are just giving to people to come play in their tournaments to play on their tour a competitive tour they are hosting a lot of these tournaments at uh courses owned by a a notable uh uh right now not active politician who sucks um you know at, at his so there's a lot of like uh what's bedfellows going on here that is less more but but what they are doing is they are poaching people from the pga tour which has its own problems historically um everybody's an in- independent contractor it's like when uber was really bad but everybody working there is like this is good 
Um, so, and if you added that Uber was then a quote unquote nonprofit, so it's got a lot of problems. What Live is doing is not only are they paying enormous sums to get people to come over, uh, offering um, money way more than normal every week or normal compared to the PGA tour and the European tours. Um, but also the format in which they play is different. They do shotgun starts. They do 54 hole tournaments. There's a lot of like festival type atmosphere going on. But as you can imagine, like that is really appealing to the golf dads out there of places like New Jersey who are then at, you know, 10 a.m. wasted listening to like a uh, sandstorm uh, out you know, in the middle of a field, basically. Um, so, like, they've brought this new product, and they've been siphoning off people from the PGA Tour. And in the past week, it really hit um, a a pivotal moment because the PGA Tour responded with all this weird new stuff. Most importantly, new money, slightly new format uh, on, on different things. Um, but, you know, it hit the point where it's like, we're losing people, we have to change, or we're in trouble, to say nothing of the legal battles. But it's upended a sport that ultimately, like, is on major networks most weekends, which means it has an impact on the American economy. So are they paying the, is the Saudi, is the Live League just, are the purses bigger, or do they have, like, pay payments outside of the purses yes yes to both um there have been players who have been like phil mickelson i think dustin johnson apparently cam smith as well who have been offered uh nine figure sums to come and play in the league again saudi royal family endless amounts of money and and, some of that and one who was offered 10 figures yeah one who was offered 10 figures who who did not go which is Tiger Woods, him and Rory McIlroy are like flying the flag of the PGA Tour. They are they're defending it. They were um, here last week uh, in Atlanta doing so. But also those payouts, so the, the purses week to week are really large, and they also include team events, so there's like multiple ways to make money. But some of these payouts are apparently um, tied to your future earnings, so it's basically like you will make at least $100 million if you pay on this tour uh some of the contract stuff is weird but the point is is they are luring people um these you know effectively independent contractors that the pga tour has like kept on by monopolistic chicanery all these years and they're saying why don't you come over here and we'll give you a boatload of money we will give you enough money this is this is that question you get which is how much money would it take you to do a thing that makes you go if i think too much about this I feel gross. Um, they are exceeding that number for these really big names at this point. Yeah, and and that that thing that that you're you're being asked to do, of course, is to, you know, sort of implicitly launder the reputation of the Saudi government. Uh, you yeah, you you may may or may not have heard. Uh, the term sports washing roughly a billion times recently. You know, you certainly you hear it a lot if you follow soccer. I was explaining to Max and Kevin while you were having your your technical difficulties before we started recording that like this live golf thing is not even the Saudis first foray into, you know, 
throwing giant chunks of money into sport in an attempt to you know to improve their reputation um but you know like it's and it's really it's it's sort of especially disgusting in soccer like newcastle the the club that the saudi sovereign wealth fund owns uh has one of their uniforms is essentially just the saudi flag yeah um they were for the first time this past weekend it sucked yeah it was real bad um but like the the thing about it though is i think a lot of these athletes are operating on entirely different sort of consideration sets than jimokes like us are um and i i know this in part because another figure that live golf offered a gigantic pile of money to uh is one uh charles barkley to come be a commentator uh to join arlo white formerly of the the premier league and uh he turned them down barkley turned them down uh but he also said uh you know very explicitly in in dis- you know in discussing his decision he said I-, I don't think this sports washing thing is real so like I, if if we're if charles barkley who also recently told anyone who didn't like gay or trans people to go fuck themselves I, I, like if he thinks that this is not a real thing what do you think a bunch of red ass professional golfers think well i i really don't want to dwell on like what professional golfers think because it's going to upset all of us i know that for a fact because i know who goes to the i mean i worked at a golf course i was around it for years i went to a number of golf tournaments i know who these these people are but you know also we are talking about a lot of people who are 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 wealthy um or at least they're rich um charles barkley is probably a approaching wealthy and even if like i have debt it's like the way debt works for them is positive so like these are not people (laughs) but but what we can look at it is like we are consumers that are you know it's not unlike well i can buy i can buy packaged chicken from this place or the other place if i think about it too much it's probably going to upset me either way is there a slightly better one you know so i have to think about it from the consumer's perspective i think we're going to get into some other stuff in a moment too that is you know the people that are benefiting from this are are like the people who are rich or wealthy and people who like do not actually think about the underpinnings of the product they're enjoying max i think that you it sounds like this has been discussed a lot in the circles you've been in of late so i mean i think this is not just us our type of consumer but i think a lot of other consumers are thinking about this as well yeah well you mentioned consumers and right off the bat i'm curious because again i've I've only heard uh through a bunch of stories and conversations but i don't actually follow golf myself so i don't really know much but my understanding is that when you talk about consumers i assume you mean people that want to watch and follow the sport and as far as i know uh, this this live golf is not really available through mainstream media sources like ESPN or, or television the way I think it's most people that watch golf YouTube. do. Is that correct? I, yeah, I, I, but I think yes, it's streamed, streamed on. That's not the right. But so it's anybody, not on TV though. Well, the people I know that watch TV. golf watch golf on television, not on YouTube. 
I, I understand. And I think part of it is they want to appeal to a different audience or be like, this is easy instead of watching, you know, the St. Jude classic, which is historic, or the John Deere classic, and historically not interesting. Why don't you watch our tournament? It's on YouTube. Just click the button on your TV, your quote unquote TV. Yeah. The other thing I was informed, I, I still, yeah, I mean, we can get into how the media is brought in. I think there's definitely a, a demographic difference there in, in probably an age-based demographic of how people consume media. Um, I, I don't, I know, I don't, I don't consume YouTube, but I, I would imagine it's a mostly younger cohort that does. Um, I also am under the impression that I guess, well, not only is is Live guaranteeing money and doing fewer tournaments that the players have to play in, but I think they're also trying to like mix it up to make the game more interesting. Yeah, can you speak to that at all? <laughs> yeah, um, as I sort of mentioned, um, these are fifty-four hole tournaments. They do shotgun starts, so it's the idea is it's briefer. You're out there for a shorter period of time. They mix individual and team events, so there are kind of different competitions going on. And <clears throat> the atmosphere of the tournament, like they have music playing and stuff like that, and they're, they're actually performances by, I believe, big-name artists after um, the playing is done. So it's like you're really going mm-hmm. to an entertainment event it's it's like if when you go to for instance a hawks game and they have a really good organist it's like that but like taken up a notch yes so i I love that you said that because i've been thinking about this and like my understanding of this separate out the the terrorist funding money part of it and sports washing part of it is like what baseball should be doing Ah, like baseball is trying to appeal to a younger audience and make itself more interesting and yet anything that i've heard and again i think i and i i tell people this like i maybe this is too big an ego for myself but i feel like i'm a pretty prime target Mm -hmm. for baseball trying to expand it's like i'm Mm -hmm. someone who already follows some other sports and i'm willing to follow more sports and yet they're the changes that i've heard about in baseball are the opposite of what would make me want to watch it. and and this is the difference between and this is to you know to quote a a mild-mannered tv character um no half measures okay rob manfred is out here like oh pitch clocks or maybe we can dabble with robots no you gotta go full savannah bananas i tried to watch a savannah bananas game the other day but it took like 20 minutes for them to explain the rules going into it but go go do your research. But this is a, a team in Savannah, um, obviously. Um, and they play baseball in a, you know, it, it feels like you're watching the Harlem Globetrotters, but not even that because they, they the way they do scoring and um, you can't bunt, you can't step out of the batter's box. Um, you can steal first base. Like it is, yes, the same game, but they are making it something completely different, um, and and I understand that like it's still playing. They're still playing golf. It's just the format is a little different. But if you want to shake things up and you want to draw an, an audience, you really have to have something that is different. And I think that I understand that that's what's going on here. Like the European right. tour versus the PGA tour, those are the same thing. But this is really um, a, a different ball of wax there's there's one potential hang-up to making a broader palette of sports more like the savannah bananas and it goes back to something i mentioned earlier can you bet 
on the Savannah Bananas. Because if you can't, then any and all of these proposals for more mainstream sports are dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Totally done. Non-starter. Well, because in- all of these sports, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, everyone has gotten fully in bed with the gambling industry, and they're not going away. So, so maybe we need more of this, uh, not even related, but semi-related. It looked like virtual metaverse golf no, no. is now a thing. No, that I, is. I mean, it's another avenue of, you know, sports and competition that definitely can be gambled on, but also is more colorful. And I mean that in every sense of the word it's just it's i I don't want to spend too much time on that it's like a whole like i heard you know uh, it's it's steve buscemi in in it's it's 30 rock right where he's like hello fellow children like that's that's what this is here they're like i heard you like skateboarding look at me um type of stuff but yeah it's it's not a good sign where you're like well you this is this is almost verbatim what rory mcelroy said we don't know when Tiger will play next. So how great will it be to watch him in this and knowing that he can do it? Like ba- basically that's, that's, that's where we're at. But I, I think the gambling, but, but you named two big players that also are the players you said refuse to go to live. Yeah, no, but this so is, is it not the alternative? <laughs> this, yeah, they've made it. This is their alternative, which means they're in crisis mode. But I think the gambling part is, is interesting because with any of this and the problem with the savannah bananas is not so much that it doesn't make sense it can make sense after 10 but you have to have enough people doing it that you have like underdogs that make the gambling story interesting and kevin you brought something up and i think that the appeal of underdogs you know we could have some different gambling problems because of not monopoly but like too much too much cream and not uh you know the rest of the dairy product sure that's quite the segue but i don't know what you call is that the the way too much too much wheat not enough chaff okay yeah you need some chaff well so one thing that on the other side of the sport sports world the college basketball has kind of really accepted the fact that no one cares about the regular season except for me and so they really focus on is admitting that you have a problem so the um there's been talk that a lot of the uh big schools kind of want i mean they 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 really want to sell march madness that is their product and the big schools want to kick out the mid-majors even though when you think of march madness the first thing that i think most people think of is upsets in the first couple rounds and so that's they're also kind of trying to make their own league that kind of just takes the top teams and puts them against each other well this is this is basically running parallel to what's happening in college football where you know where these conferences are are realigning and it's very clear that it's with an eye on consolidation into a few mega conferences and and look i mean the reason this is happening is because there's a giant pile of money to be had and because, frankly, these power conferences have realized, you know, uh, one of the places that like players associations and 
unions of athletes run into trouble is that their membership is made up of uh, players who have very different concerns. Star players have very different concerns from sort of mid-level veterans have very different concerns from young players. And this is the exact same thing that's happening just with schools. It was like the Ohio States and Texas's of the world are just, they're doing, they're doing things for very different reasons and with very different goals in mind than like Bowling Green or JMU. And so like it's it's sort of I guess it's kind of natural that you know that this kind of stuff is happening especially with the way that we've commercialized it but man it it really it will be a bummer because one of the coolest things about college sports is upsets like not all the yeah. time you still you know you fill out a bracket and you want you know you still want to see blue bloods playing at the end um, because you're trying to determine who the best team is. But that first weekend when everything's a little chaotic and a 15 seed wins, it's awesome. It rules. Yeah. And to not have that anymore will be a bummer. Uh, it sure won't be a bummer to the, you know, the board of trustees at the two seed that no longer has to lose to St. Peter's. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, with places like St. Peter's or or especially some of the football schools that are on the periphery or, or kind of middle of the pack, even even middle of the, well, in the power five is kind of a different matter. But, but you know, the Blue Bloods, they are, they're looking outside of their community for, for funding, for more money, for everything else. I mean, they're going to get their boosters. But... When you have a good run in your mid-major, that you you are you are an advertisement for your school. You're going to get people to do, um, you know, increase how much they're giving and everything else. That is like you are looking within your community to to juice them up, to to encourage them, to to invest more and be like, wow, look at this promise. How fun was this? Like you know, celebrate that. Give give twenty five dollars, whatever it is. Kentucky doesn't. Kentucky doesn't care about that. They the the football coach and the basketball coach are fighting about the practice facilities right now, and they're both going to get paid, you know, combined twenty million dollars a year, and they're going to get all this money from the state because like they are one of the biggest economic engines in that state. There's there's nothing there's nothing else around. It is it is an economy that has uh, huge tentacles. But um, I I don't know. I I just you know, with with this, um, you know, with how this impacts, like, you know, mid-majors in, in college basketball, um, the other thing with basketball, too, is I think that they see the writing on the wall, which is they're already losing some of those star players um, to Europe, um, to Australia, to um, the, the G League, the special, the special stuff, even the um, other league that's based in Atlanta that's name escapes me. Um, in a couple of years, there's going to be a new CBA, and even more, people are going to start jumping from uh, prep to pros again, from high school to the pros again. So college basketball, I think, necessarily is going to have to 
change. You're you're going to have people that if they step in the door, they're there for three years or whatever, um, or it's just going to be a very different type of, of product. And so I I don't know that this is the solution to that, but um, you know there are some outdoor outside factors. And like Live Golf, you have businesses that are willing to pay more to get access to these stars. And there's a part of me that's like, well, I do think individual employees should get paid their worth. I am, <laughs> I do feel that that is a reasonable thing. Yeah, um, the, but there's also just talk of trying to get rid of the NCAA, like football breaking away from the NCAA in general too. And it's, I don't know, it, with with college it has the you know problem that unless you're actually affiliated with the college then people aren't really going to care about your about your league but within that constraint they're doing everything you know they can to break away from well yeah and football is sort of a natural starting point for that because football is the only one where it it, you know what you think of as Division One football is really not governed by the NCAA hardly at all. It's basically all run by the conferences and then the playoff committee, which is to say, ESPN. Mm-hmm. We talked about <laughs> we talked about this, you know, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. I guess, or whenever it was that it was announced that USC and UCLA are inexplicably joining the Big Ten. Um, but yeah, I mean, like. I do. I mean, to a certain extent, I, I kind of hope that this will, uh, you know, at least on the collegiate front, will sort of put a bit of a spotlight on the lie that we've been sold for many, many decades, uh, you know, and, and finally, once and for all, um, you know, old Yeller, the notion of the student athlete. Yeah. I mean, the bigger thing is with this, you know, with, I mean, it sounds so silly, but things like the Music City Bowl, the Gator Bowl, um, you know, some of these late season uh, rivalry games, um, even the lesser, uh, you know, the the tour championship, uh, these these PGA Tour events. I think that one thing I'm, I'm looking down the barrel of is that you know, these reference points that we have. And innovation is good. I think innovation is is usually good. The idea of technology is that we are improving, and I get that. But part of what makes sports good entertainment is that you have narrative. And it's not just people who are making uh you know a deserved boatload of money or or whatever it's not just it's not just a regular season game like this matters there is a trophy at the end and it's not a participation trophy and so i think that what i'm reckoning with if you take away the mid-majors if you have this you know erzatz golf tour that has no reference points i don't have a narrative to follow and you know i buy things you know uh, I buy books because, well, books are a bad example, but I buy books because I like the bookstore that I got it from. There's a narrative attached to it, even though I could get a similar thing elsewhere. And I think that what's being ripped apart is USC goes and plays Rutgers or um, Coastal Carolina gets introduced in, uh, you know, uh, 
shoehorned into some rivalry is like those are not reference points that I care about. So I either have to relearn it or in the case of, I don't know, hell baseball, I'm just going to walk away. Like I don't, I don't need to. And I know you don't care about me walking away because it's, it's about the money, but man, it just, it takes the joy out of it for, for me. Yeah. I, I got, I got no argument with that. Um, yeah. Like I, I remember going to when many moons ago Tiger Woods did his his first golf tournament. Here's an active PGA Tour player who has his own golf tournament. That is the gravity he has, and it was at Congressional just outside of DC, and it was a big deal. Here, the narrative of him, and it's like a new event, and there's you know a really strong community, and it's like great, we have our own event, and there's even from the start there's narrative around that, and you understand why it's important and everything. Um, but, and that was, that was joyful. This is not, this is about sports washing and, and about the money, the, the conference leaders money, ESPN's money, AC, the ACC doing the, the ACC did a terrible, terrible, terrible deal. And they're stuck in it until 2036, which is laughable. And who's going to get hurt by it? Well, it's somehow it's going to end up being like, the biology lab and stuff like that because it has these downstream impacts um but you know the rich and wealthy they're not going to care so what, i feel like most of those downstream impacts could be and like all of these things could be solved if you just took the money that you make and pay it to the people who are making it for you so wait it just that sounds like a good idea just 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 to be sure we're all on the same page here you're saying there's not joy in opening up your computer and heading to youtube to uh to watch the the live golf tour play at bedminster three times a year watching dustin johnson and phil mickelson walk past the uh incredibly tacky tax dodge grave of ivana trump on their way to the first hole Listen, all of those people that you talked about have many, many tax dodges. And Phil Mickelson had to sell his private plane because of all his failed gambling and tax dodgy things that he did. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I don't want to watch like individually terrible people support a, a terrible organization. But even if it was like good in some way, it's just it's a newfangled thing. And uh, I don't think it's necessarily better but i'm I, i'm maybe a dinosaur in in that approach to golf but well just you a brother by the time that acc media deal ends in 2036 we're all going to be subscribed to cfp plus in order to be able to watch the college national championship game that is not true because by that time there will be no more grass left in the world because there will be no more water and it will be so hot that they will be playing on sand probably Oh, you mean they might move it to November and and have it in Qatar? Yeah, well, Texas A and M and Texas are actually moving to to the Gulf. We know that because Texas A and M's all their money comes from from Saudi Arabia. This is this is actually a real thing. Just just wait, the University of Oklahoma Dubai is gonna rule the sport one day. <sighs> okay, uh, on that note, let's uh, let's go to Pierce's sorry. What are you apologizing for today? Oh, um. So, I recently had in my household 
the first instance, blessedly, uh, that the phrase, do I need to call an ambulance, was uttered. Now, I want you to think about typical things where you have to ask that question. If you ask that question and you don't immediately do it, that means something weird is going on and it's escalated. Well, um, and so obviously this apology is for the other members of my household that were uh, very concerned about my behaviors. Um, and I would add that this has to do with the bathroom. So it's it's escalating. You're like, I have serious concerns. I was about to ask um, if you had a mild stroke. So I did not, but I I almost did because of, of what, what happened. So um, the... One of our sinks, and I have like a, an interest in plumbing. I find it kind of fascinating in, in just some physics ways. <clears throat> but this I don't is, fully understand This is understand like it. the fourth time in three months that you have said something in this segment that indicates that you need to leave the knowledge worker class and go get like a manual labor job. Yeah. So, well, uh, and as, as we'll evidence here, I should say subsequently – this so the sink drained really slowly i have fixed it now i have fixed it i'm really proud of it on the way there there was a problem so i don't know if you're familiar but in sinks there is usually a a circular hole in like the porcelain somewhere kind of um near the edge it is you kind of it allows airflow it it helps so i was kind of there was an event going on it it our house in a couple days and i was like i need to fix this sink this is late at night um it's like about to go to bed <clears throat> so i'm like oh maybe there's something wrong with this aeration hole so i i gently i i really want to say this i gently put my index finger into the hole i still don't understand how but moments later i had to yell help <laughs> because my finger was stuck and because of the nature of the hole and i can't i can't confirm this but because there's airflow going in there and i was stressed it was getting tighter and it hurt yeah you chinese finger trapped yourself yes between porcelain that is getting tighter and that's when i had the thought which is i don't know how to get out of this um and if if my finger like there are no options to get it out without causing probably serious injury because uh, it was just like the tip of my finger, like right here, like it was uh, halfway up the, the nail. Um, and so I am in a panic and I'm like, please get me ice. <laughs> so I basically put ice around my finger, hoping that that would chill it enough that I could bring it loose. And it was also like a little bit wet. And after, I don't know, five minutes it was probably less because that's how that stuff works but like a, a few minutes my finger did remove itself uh and then i just kind of sat there in the fetal position freaked out because it's like i could have lost a finger like genuinely like i could have lost a finger or it could have been removed by a person with a hatchet taking off my sink from you know the fire department so that's to say, I'm sorry for causing that that drama in my house. And also, you know, you leave certain things to the professionals. 
I will say this. There's a silver lining here, which is that you did not... You managed to get through this without introducing another horrifying situation into your home, which would be uh, that I don't think anyone should ever have to hear uh, the words, babe, get the Crisco coming from the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> so good on you for avoiding that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I like, I was, it, it was traumatic enough that I'm like, I don't know that I want to share this because I was really afraid I was going to have serious bodily injury, but I've, I've learned from it. And I think it's important to get these, these, uh, uh, these teachings out in the world. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, we'll do a big idea from pop culture and, um, I don't think I actually talked about this on the pod, uh, but I recently watched the new Netflix uh, Woodstock 99 little sort of docu-series, uh, which was fascinating because I had not really consumed any of the other sort of uh, rash of Woodstock 99 related content from the last few years. So I didn't really know much of anything about the festival other than that it was some sort of major disaster um, but to actually see uh, footage from it uh, was fairly shocking um, Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers compared it to Apocalypse Now and having recently also watched Apocalypse Now for the first time uh, I say give me uh, Colonel Kurtz. Uh, I'll I'll take him over dealing with those insane twenty year olds instead of Colonel Durst. Yes, there we go. Uh, that was horrible, and everyone should feel bad about the fact that we just did that. Um, but yeah, if you uh, if you are curious about Woodstock '99, uh, I think the series is called Trainwreck. Um, and it, it will get you good and lathered up. Uh, believe it or not, uh, there were no heroes that, that weekend. Uh, no one did anything right at all. Uh, and pretty much every opportunity for something to go horribly, horribly wrong, it went even worse than you could have imagined. So what, what about like Flea? Was Flea a hero? Uh, it depends on whether you think... Uh, performing in front of 200,000 people with your dick out is heroic. Yeah, no heroes in a weekend just sounds like what Nebraska football just went through. So uh... Bang! There we go. Okay. Uh, perfect. Perfect callback. So let's let's go ahead and wrap up with a Rolling Stone rock trivia question. Um, and I have a bunch of choices for you guys today. Uh, because unlike the repressive Saudi regime, we, we live in the land of, of freedom and choice. So uh, would you I like... Hope, I hope someone buys Pierce out from this league so that <laughs> just some X and I can duke it out. Uh, would, would you like a question about Elvis, the Grammys, uh, the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, or Bruce Springsteen? Grammys. Uh, anything but the Grammys. Okay. Oh, damn it. <laughs> the Grammys it is. 
Uh, okay. Uh, which band received a Grammy nomination for Best New Artist in 2004, even though it had been around for nearly a decade and had just released its third album? Was it A, The Bravery, B, Nickelback, C, Seven Mary Three, or D, Fountains of Wayne? I'm going to say A, The Bravery. Yeah, Bravery is my guess. I'm going to do Fountains of Wayne. You're not Nebraska football, Pierce. You got it right. Fountains of Wayne. (laughs) They really had it going on that year, I guess. You could say that. Uh, all right well that's the end of the show you can find us at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com or subscribe to the pod feed on your app of choice uh, we expect to have an, an episode for you next week uh, but with some scheduling conflicts we, we may have to take a week off but hopefully we'll be Back to talk to you about something else again soon. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Working